1: Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit Kelley Blue Books KBB.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places.
2: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash audio. Visit IXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we talk about how to have happier habits every day. This week is the first in a series of four special episodes we're doing on the four tendencies. And this week, we're going to talk about Upholders. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who was a big help when I was grappling with the Four Tendencies Framework.
0: That's me, Elizabeth Craft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and thanks to Gretchen, I know that I'm a classic obliger. More on that in another episode. Today is the first day of our special Four Tendencies series. Very exciting.
1: But first, Elizabeth, let's have an update on your novel writing.
0: Oh, I'm struggling with the novel writing, as we've discussed, and I do appreciate people writing in about it. Um, One person, by the way, wrote in and said she thinks I don't really want to write the novel, which was interesting. She thought if I wanted to, I would have done it. And I
1: wrote back to her and I said, you know, as her sister, I have to say that I think you really do want to write the novel. um, But this kind of accountability through the podcast is not working. And so dun, 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 it's time for plan B, um, which we we will
0: figure out plan B another time. I will say I took a big step last week, though, what, which is I now have my book in a Google document, which was, you know, very, um, uh, to me crazy, because I don't understand Google documents. But now I can open it like at home or at work. And I don't have to constantly be emailing it to myself. Um, so that's a big step.
1: Well, that's the strategy of convenience of the 21 habit change strategies. The strategy of convenience is one of the most powerful. So by making it more convenient, you're making it easier to keep the habits. So gold star.
0: Now I just need to actually open that document. <laughs>
1: step by step. Um, so now let's turn to the try this at home. The first try this at home of our very special series. So, Elizabeth, in my book, Better Than Before, my book about habit change, I describe this framework for dividing all of human nature into four categories. And so our Try This at Home is for listeners to take the quiz. This is the quiz that will help you figure out which tendency uh, fits you. And to take the quiz, go to happiercast.com quiz to find out if you're an upholder, questioner, obliger, or rebel.
0: Yeah, we've talked about this before in episode 13, which would be at happiercast.com slash 13. (laughs) But um, just really quick, Gretchen, can you lay out what those four tendencies are?
1: Right. Well, so the the four tendencies are upholder. That's what we're talking about today. Questioner, obliger, and rebel. And so if you want to take the quiz, um, it's happiercast.com slash quiz, just quiz, Um, And what the framework is, is very simply, it sounds boring, but I promise it's interesting, is it has to do with how a person deals with an expectation. Outer expectations like work deadlines, inner expectations like the desire to keep a New Year's resolution. So upholders readily keep outer and inner expectations alike. They meet the work deadline, They keep the New Year's resolution without much fuss. And that's what we'll talk about today. Questioners, just so people have the whole overview, questioners question all expectations. They'll only do something if they think it makes sense. So they hate anything arbitrary or inefficient, but they'll do it if they buy into it. So they make everything an inner expectation. Obligers, that's what you are, readily meet outer expectations, but struggle to meet inner expectations. Like my friend who had no trouble running when she was on the track team with a coach and a team but can't go running on on her own and then finally rebels rebels resist all expectations outer and inner alike they want to do what they want to do when they want to do it so that's the that's that is it in brief
0: and a question i've had and we've also had a lot of people ask this question can you be a combination of more than one tendency
1: you know it sounds sensible um but i really don't think that it that people are i think that these are like ubiquitous hardwired aspects of personality and really and they, and they vary in intensity so some people are like super super upholder and some are less so you know some rebels are really really rebellious some not so much so they they're different intensity but Whenever people say, whenever people tell me they're a combination, I say, "Well, explain to me why you think you're a combination." And inevitably, they describe a situation where I'm like, "No, you're squarely within a, a tendency."
0: So, like, what's an example of that?
1: Well, like, I went back to our high school. Uh, what was our high school? Suns- it was Sunset when I was there, but now it's called Pembroke Hill. And to talk about the four tendencies, and one uh, senior said to me, "Well, no, I'm a mix. I'm I'm partly an upholder and partly a rebel." because when I have a teacher who respects me, who I respect, asks me to do homework, I'll do it like an upholder. Without, I'll just do it, you know, no fuss. But then when a teacher I don't respect asks me to do something, I refuse to do it. Mm. So in that situation, I'm a rebel. And I said, no, you are 100% questioner,
2: because uh. the questioner's
1: first question is, why am I listening to you? And if they don't respect you, they won't do it. They won't follow your instructions. Yeah. So like if it's a doctor, if, if a questioner doesn't respect a doctor's authority or like judgment or credentials or whatever, they're like, yeah, I'm not going to do what you told me because I question your authority to tell me what to do. So he thought he was a mix, but he was actually like very, and often like upholders, obligers think that they're upholders, that they'll right. say things like, oh, I'm totally an upholder except that I can't keep obligations to myself. And I'm like, well, then you're an obliger
0: oh that's interesting
1: see they all overlap so everybody shares equality with another tendency so it can be confusing if you don't spend uh, like a hundred percent of your time obsessing about it the way i do uh
0: yeah. one other question because this comes up all the time as well can you switch tendencies can you go from being an obliger to an upholder which is what most people want to do
1: well, yeah, that that's the one that comes up the most often You know, this is one of these questions about, like, can you change your fundamental nature? Um, And my view is it's really, really hard to change your fundamental nature and probably impossible to change your fundamental nature. But what is possible to do and not that hard to do is to change your circumstances so that whatever limitation you're experiencing, you can offset it. And so you get the benefits. All these tendencies have enormous benefits. So you get the benefit of your tendency, and then you figured out a way to kind of work around any of the limitations. And so if you're an obliger who wants to be an upholder, like obligers will often say, well, I don't want to have to depend on outer accountability. I only want to have to depend on my own inner accountability. And my view is like you could spend you know so much time and effort and energy pouring into trying to change that aspect of your nature, or you could just give yourself outer accountability, and you'll get to exactly the same place with just a tiny percentage of the effort. And so why not just, and I just think embrace yourself, Uh, you know, Mm. figure out what's true for you and act given what the truth is about ourselves rather than worrying about trying to change ourselves, which if it's even possible. I mean, you know, how you say there's that thing that we say to little kids, like, you get what you get, and you mm. don't get upset. And I sort of feel like it's that way with your own temperament. Like, just deal with whoever you are, right. make the best of it. Like, th- there's all kinds of things you can do to solve the problems that arrive from a tendency. And don't worry about changing your nature,
0: because that's hard. Yeah, that's a practical approach. Just do do what works for you. Don't don't aim you know for the stars. Just you know yeah, do just, what you can. Just fix the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: let us know if you do take the quiz. Again, that's happiercast.com slash quiz to take a, a quick quiz to tell you your tendency. And and whether this framework is striking a chord with you. But again, we're gonna keep talking about it for the next few weeks. You know, Twitter, Facebook, drop us an email at podcast at gretchenrubin.com. Um, or for more on this episode, it's happiercast.com slash 35. This is episode 35. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years, StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash happier. That's storyworth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. Okay, now it's the segment Strengths and Weaknesses. So let's turn specifically to Upholders now. This is the Upholder episode. And Upholders, again, are those who readily meet outer and inner expectations. They they meet a work deadline. They meet a New Year's resolution without a lot of fuss.
0: Sounds like Hermione Granger, Grudge. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. Hermione Granger is like, you know, uh, example number one, I think, in the public consciousness. She exactly exemplifies the strengths and the weaknesses, I would say. Of upholders and the strengths are uh, self-directed. Doesn't need a lot of supervision. Doesn't need deadlines. Doesn't need someone looking over their shoulder to you know study for exams or you know meet a work deadline. Very disciplined, productive, and then and puts a high priority on self-command. Um, you know, being in control, sticking to good habits, that kind of thing. Those I would say are the strengths of upholders.
0: Gretch, I mean, of course, being your sister, I've had a lifetime of seeing both the strengths and the weaknesses of of you being an upholder. Um, I have to tell one story about you as an upholder that I think just typifies your whole life, really, Um, which is your first year of law school. So it was your first year at Yale Law School. And the question was whether or not you were going to come home for Thanksgiving to Kansas City. And you knew that within those first within the three years of law school you had to write three papers, is that right? Two big papers. Two big papers. Two big papers. Okay, two big papers. And you decided that you were going to stay at school for Thanksgiving break and write the first of your big papers to get it out of the way. Which is I mean, some most people I'm sure write them last semester of the third year of both papers. That's what Jamie did, by the way. Uh, of course, right? And I was just so struck by that. And then you wrote this amazing, you did it. You didn't just say you were going to do it. You then stayed at school and actually wrote it. And you wrote this amazing paper on law and literature. I remember it ended with a stream of consciousness, Virginia Woolf yeah. uh, uh, homage. Um, and that paper, because you had that paper, you actually got onto the law journal, right? yeah. yeah. First year. I, how do you remember be, all this? Because it to those of us who don't have that mindset, it's such a striking thing that you would do that. It really stands out. And by the way, I mean this is just a big example of it. I mean, you always had your papers done early. You uh. always, uh, you know, had studied for a test well before you know you were, the test was happening. You were never having to cram. Uh, you always when you decided you weren't going to eat carbs anymore, you never ate another carb. I mean, that's you. So and, and I have to just end the story by saying you ended up being the editor in chief of the Yale Law Journal. And I know you attribute a lot of that to the fact that you got on first year because you had that paper to turn in uh, for your application. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a big strength. Yeah, it's that's a big, strength. a big, big strength. Now, of course, they're also weaknesses. Yes.
1: And they're exactly the same, right? The strengths and the weaknesses are, are like one is the dark side of the
0: other. So so what would you say the weaknesses are? <laughs> um, well, I think, you know, you can be rigid. Yeah. You can be overly concerned with rules or, you know, or sticking to a good habit sort of at the cost of everything else. <laughs> Um, you are, could be referred to as a bureaucrat or some might say an inquisitor, um, Uh, because you, you think everybody should be doing exactly the right thing. And then I guess staying inside of the box, right? Yeah.
1: It can be hard to, it can be hard to feel like you can violate conventions or do things that you're not supposed to do because it feels very important to do what you're supposed to do. I mean, I, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I think everything that you've identified, would, I would act, absolutely say, are, are, are aspects of being an upholder. Um, and they're the strengths. They're, the, they're just the downsides of the very things that are the good things.
0: Yeah. I mean, to those of us who, again, aren't upholders, some of this behavior can seem so insane. Um, like, I'm thinking of an example. We went to a resort together. Adam and Jack.
1: This is our annual thing that we do, our sister's thing that we do once a year as part of our sisterhood as we go on a, a, a trip, our two families together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it was Adam and Jack and I were there. And then because of for different reasons, only you and Eleanor could make this trip. So it was the five of us. And we were in L.A. or we were outside of L.A. But so we were on West Coast time. And you decided that the smart thing to do would be to stay on New York time completely. So you and Eleanor would sort of eat dinner at like 4.30 and then you would go to bed at 7.30. Um, And then meanwhile, Adam and I had a whole other vacation happening from like 7 to midnight. Um, our friend came down, had met us for dinners and drinks and, and enjoy ourselves. Whereas you were like rigidly, like we have to now go to bed. Um, so I don't know, to me, it seems like you kind of miss out on fun and relaxation that way.
1: I totally take your point. I guess for me, it's because like the idea of like staying up to dinner when I'm just like sick with exhaustion and and being so tired. And then we were there for like three nights, I think. And so then Just getting adjusted and then coming back to New York and having to readjust it just but I agree like I think it I mean I know when we go to Kansas City every Christmas you get up super early given your time schedule and also your nature which is more of a late riser just to hang out with everybody and I always appreciate that because I'm like it's a real sacrifice for Elizabeth to get up out of bed just so she can be up and around and talking to everybody but you're right. I, I mean, I do sort of, I, I, that's exactly what I thought. It was like, Oh, I'll, st- I don't, I want to be efficient. I want to stick to my good habits. I'll stay on East coast time for these three nights. So
0: I think in general, sometimes you just, you miss out on fun times because you don't want to do anything outside what the expectation that you've set. Yeah. But again, in your be Gretchen, it wouldn't be fun for you. Right. No, that's the thing. That's the
1: thing. Exactly. That's exactly right. Well, and here's another uh, weakness I think, which is that I think upholders are very, very sensitive to criticism. Like they don't want to do anything wrong. They don't want to violate expectations. They they're very demanding, and so of themselves and other people too, uh, which is another story. Um, And I've noticed one. I don't know if this has bothered you, but because we give ourselves demerits at the end of every show, and so we sort of criticize ourselves for some kind of happiness or habits mistake we've made. We've had several emails from people criticizing us for criticizing ourselves, which they right. clearly mean in the nicest way, being like, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't criticize yourself. But then I'm like, I feel so criticized for being criticized for criticizing myself. Right. <laughs> 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 I can't. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel terrible. You know, I'm like, let it go. Let it go. They, 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 it's nice. It's nice. They're saying a nice thing. Don't, you yeah. know, don't be so defensive.
0: So I guess the thing to remember for all of us who are jealous of upholders, because it seems like life is easier for them and they're so much more productive and tend to be incredibly successful, um, there are disadvantages to being an upholder as well. Yes.
1: All these tendencies have big, big strengths and big weaknesses.
0: Yeah. And of course, I like pointing out to you the weaknesses.
1: (laughs) Always in a very constructive way. Um, so now let's turn to striking patterns. So this is where we're going to talk briefly about a striking pattern um, that, each, that you see in the tendencies. Each, each, each tendency has its own kind of striking pattern. And, um, and here I would say that upholders should watch out for
0: tightening. And what does that mean? I love, I love this phrase, striking pattern. What does tightening mean? Well, and this is something that might not be that obvious to people who are not
1: upholders um, themselves, but it's something that upholder, I've talked to other upholders. And we're a small group, by the way. Not that many people are upholders, but, which explain many things about the world to me when I realized I'm actually on the freaky fringe of personality. Um, <laughs> For a lot of people, I get the sense that when they're starting a new habit, they, they often start strong and then they gradually loosen, like kind of the, the expectations or the strictures loosen over time. Maybe not all the way, like maybe you're pretty much sticking to a good habit or whatever, but they tend to loosen up.
0: I call that losing my will. <laughs> I lose my will. But you know, you're usually better
1: off than when you started. Better than before. That's that's what's important. Um But what I've noticed about upholders is that often for upholders, rules get tighter. Like you mentioned before how I keep a very low-carb diet um, and I eat very low-carb. Well, when I started eating low-carb, I was less strict about it. As I've done it, I've become more and more strict, which I think is an upholder pattern more than the other tendencies. I don't think they usually tighten
0: like that and I remember right. like you eat fewer carbs than Gary Tobbs, who wrote the book that you yes. read that <laughs> yeah. gave you the lightning bolt to go low carb
1: yes it's tight it's tightened up on me um, and I remember talking to a medical student who was saying how when she was starting out, she she didn't review her notes before class. And then a couple times before class, she did she did review her notes before class. And she said, "Now, every time I go to class, I feel like I have to review my notes before class, even though I think that's not always the most constructive use of my time. What's going on?" And I said, "Well, you've experienced tightening, which is a t- yeah. you, you've got a habit, and it's you're getting more and more and more, stuck to to fulfilling it. And so I think for upholders, it's very, very important to be aware of that potential pattern so that you can be conscious of it and stop it and say, I'm really, you know, because an upholder can always choose, they can always find the inner expectation to outweigh the outer expectation, or they can find a different argument to follow. But you have to be very conscious. So you're saying, well, I feel this impulse to do it, but I'm not going to do it because... I don't need to, and it's not the most important thing, and I don't I don't want to let this tighten up on me because it can become choking if you... Yeah, do you
0: ever feel like you're living in a prison? I mean that very seriously. You know, I think the motto...
1: One of the questions we ask listeners, um, and I would lo- love to hear this. Is like, what do you think the motto should be? Nobody ever says what they think the motto should be, but I think the motto of upholders as Orwellian as it may sound is discipline brings freedom. Ah. So I really do feel like discipline brings freedom to me. I do not, I do not feel, I I, I love it. What what it becomes tense for me is when something, when it's hard to keep my discipline, like when I have to fight off uh, other expectations or, or conflicts with the outer world or something that can be very draining. But I yeah, don't. You get
0: very agitated when other when when you are like if dinner is supposed to be at eight o'clock, that sends you into tailspin, right? Because you want to eat dinner at six o'clock.
1: But, the, but part of this is just I get really really hungry. I, I do. I think that's just the hunger part of it more than the upholder part of it. But yeah, but it's like if plans change suddenly, I would not I would not call myself the most <laughs> flexible of mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. So tightening is something that can can get can get uh, a little bit out of
3: control. Okay. Hey guys, it's Henry. I have to chime in for a second. Ex-
0: oh, excellent. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, Henry's an upholder. Henry's yes. an upholder.
3: Which I think it's clear. I'm an upholder. <laughs> I took the quiz. Approved it, it. Your mother says you're an upholder. Hi mom. Hi mom. She says I'm an upholder. Um. Yeah. But I was just you talking about tightening reminded me of this thing that happened recently. Um. As an upholder, I have a lot of habits that I stick to very strictly like I have my running log that I like record everything I do and I have my journal that I write in every day and um, I I get a little stressed when I don't keep it. And recently (laughs) um, my girlfriend tried this new accounting app that was recommended to her uh, and she like marks down every penny she spends and she's really good about it. And she's like Henry you should do it. Like I'm getting so much better about saving money. And I told her I was like st- too stressed to try it because yes. I know I'll stick to it. Yes, and it'll take over my day. And yes, I'm scared yeah. to. Like, what is? Tell me what is going on here.
1: No, absolutely. I think you're. That's very smart as an upholder to say like, once I lock into that expectation, I'll be really super diligent about doing it. And in and, and it might be counterproductive because it's going to take all this time and energy. I'm better off not doing it. And don't even start because once you start, then it's like that impulse to keep going can be very strong. That's exactly tightening.
3: Yeah, and I'm almost missing out on like a positive, like I could be better at right. out saving money, but because I'm yes. scared of my time, I'm yes. just not doing
1: it. That's good. That's great self-knowledge. That's strength that's, and a weakness. It's, and it's a great uh, way of showing how knowing your tendency can help you make choices that are going to be better for you because other people might be like, oh, there's no risk that it w- you'd be too conscientious about doing it. And you're like, you know what? There's a very high risk. I would <laughs> be too conscientious about yeah. doing it.
3: Yeah. Excellent. Excellent example. So now I now I'm, I have no money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm curious. Um, we've heard from Henry, I'd be curious to hear from listeners what who are upholders, what you know, what tightening did they experience yes. in their lives?
1: Yeah. And and strengths and weaknesses generally. And strengths as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So now, Gretchen, it's time for listener questions. Well, usually it's listener question, but this today we're going to have a few questions because we want to discuss, you know, what people's um, struggles are as upholders. Um, so this one comes from Catherine. She says, I, like Gretchen, am an upholder. I do have to watch myself, though, because while I meet both interior and exterior expectations, I tend to privilege the exterior ones by always addressing those first. So do you have advice about how upholders can balance interior and exterior expectations?
1: Um, I 100% know what Ah. she's talking about. This happens to me. Yes, Um, and the the key here for upholders is to make sure to articulate clearly what the inner expectation is because inner expectations will balance or can even overbalance Exterior expectations, but they have to be clearly in mind because a clear expectation from the outside is going to trump a vague expectation from the inside. So if I have a work deadline and I have kind of a vague idea that I want to get back into yoga, okay. the work deadline will take precedent. But if I'm extremely clear with myself about what I'm expecting from myself, then those things can come into balance.
0: And maybe your strategy of scheduling here, like if she has her inner expectation, schedule it and then un- I can schedule and not necessarily follow that schedule if it's just an int- you know, an inner expectation, but because she's an upholder, if she puts it on the schedule, she'll probably follow through with it.
1: Absolutely 100%. That's a great suggestion. Yes, the strategy of scheduling is one that really works well for upholders.
0: Gretchen, this is a question from Melissa. Really interesting question. I live with an upholder and find it impossible to meet his expectations. I cannot do diets or keep following rules that I think are dumb. It's killing our marriage. I want to be everything he wants me to be, but I just can't do it. I feel like a robot and I don't want to live like a robot. Interesting. Interesting. It kind of goes to what I you, the discussion we were having um, earlier about you, uh, the the robot thing is like you can feel like if you're with an upholder that they're a killjoy and that they're having un you know yeah unrealistic expectations. So what do you think about this? Um, well,
1: I think this is a great example of how knowing your tendency can be really powerful because I think it, just being able to say you're an upholder, and so this seems right to you and comes easily to you, but I'm, uh, she says she doesn't want to follow rules that I think are dumb. That sounds like a questioner to me, so she might be a questioner. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, it's not that I'm right and you're wrong, it's just that we're different. Now, I will say that I think another weakness of upholders is that they can be very judgmental and impatient with other people, because since for them, and for, I should say, for us, it comes pretty easily to meet inner and outer expectations, we can get kind of annoyed when we're like, well, you keep saying it's important to you, so why don't you just do it? Or didn't we have this conversation? Like, why is this not done yet? Um, And it can make us very impatient, very judgmental. And you can see how this would lead to conflict, which clearly it is. And so I think really the secret is to just talk about the tendencies and explain, this is how you are. This is why you feel like doing this way is the right thing for you it's not necessarily the right thing for me. It doesn't, it's not natural to my temperament. And it's not that you're right and I'm wrong or that you're right and I need to change because you're both right.
0: Yeah, and I will say that I think since you identified these tendencies and realized that you're not like everyone else, you've become much more accepting of other people's habits and, and sort of just ways of being. Um, so gold star to you for that, Gretch. But, um, I think it's not like upholders are unreasonable and can't see there are other ways to think about things. So there is hope.
1: Yeah, I think it's, well, you're very nice to say so. You've, you've said that before and I take enormous comfort in that. Um, and, and I think you're right. It's just, it's understanding it and, and talking about it consciously makes a huge difference. Um, because I think once you're conscious of it, it's much easier not to just lash out.
0: So, hopefully, that will ease tension in that household. Um, and then let's just,
1: can I? I just want to read this one because I thought it was a fascinating, um, just kind of observation by an upholder and, and learning how an upholder can manage, can learn how to get where they want to go by understanding their tendencies. Um, so, this is from Lenore. I, uh, who is an upholder. I absolutely hate seeing time wasted when I could be getting more done or doing a better job. I will always find something that needs to be done. This takes a toll on my health and I know that it is not good for my mind either. I've gotten around this by using your technique of scheduling, which we were just talking about, and also by filtering incoming tasks. I now schedule free time and allow extra time to get things done. I also now write separate to-do lists for each day rather than working off one big list because I feel compelled to do everything if it's on the list in front of my face. Well, that's kind of tightening. This stops me from getting overworked and overwhelmed. I am now a lot more choosy about which tasks I agree to. I'm also a classic opener and love starting new projects, but I get anxious if I don't finish a task. Now, instead of blindly signing up for more projects, I weigh them each against each other and also against my current commitments. These small changes have helped me tremendously. And so I think that Lenore is just pointing to the idea that when you know that you're an upholder, you can be looking out for the pitfalls or how your tendency can lead you into areas where you're not going to be your happiest, your healthiest, your most productive and creative um, and figure out how to offset it using your nature. So my gold star. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business.
0: LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Time for demerits and gold stars. And Gretchen, this week, I'm up with a demerit. Ah, what is it? My demerit is, do you remember there was the blood moon a few weeks ago? Yes. Even before you say a word, I think I'm going to get the demerit. (laughs) I knew the blood moon was happening. I was totally aware of it. I was sitting on my couch watching TV thinking there's a blood moon outside. I did not look at it, nor did I have Jack look at it, nor did Adam look at it and I even at the time I knew I was going to regret that and feel horrible about it and yet I just did nothing I did not even get up and walk outside and then to make matters worse I woke up in the morning and saw on Facebook that there had been like this group of like 20 ladies who'd gone hiking in Malibu uh, just to look at the blood moon and I'm like that's amazing and that must have been a great night just sort of a great time and I was just sitting on my couch not even walking outside <laughs>
1: watching something that was recorded and could have been watched exactly. any night.
0: Um, so I give myself a demerit for just you know not stopping and looking at the moon um. All right. Well, that's my demerit. Now, what's your gold star for the week? Okay.
1: Now, I love this gold star. Now, I I am not one of these people who very frequently goes on and like watches videos or, so you know, nice. emails videos um, that my, my two daughters are like, oh, let's watch this video all the time. But there's this one video, which for some reason I've watched like 10 times. I get the biggest kick out of it. And it's so it makes me feel so good every time. So Funnier Die did a video where Jewel, you know, the singer, the very famous singer, went in disguise. They 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 gave her a new nose, they changed her body, they gave her a wig. Um and they took her to a karaoke bar. And yes. the thing is to see, well, how would people respond when she was in a karaoke bar? And you know, they were all they all went like a bunch of them went of uh, the funnier die people with like uh like with those lanyards saying that they were at a frozen food convention. So it was really convincing, um you can see. And so Jewel gets out there and starts singing. And here's the question that, you know, it's like, would people realize it's Jewel or are all these things so manufactured and there's like so much stuff done to everything that you wouldn't even know if it was actually Jewel because it's all fake anyway. And the fact is... The people are totally flabbergasted. They can't believe how good she is. They think her name Rich. is Karen. And they're like, uh-huh. oh my God. They're just standing dumbstruck there. And then they get so into it. And they're dancing. And people, you see oh. the video of the people going like, I can't believe how good she is. She's amazing. And I just love this video because, first of all, I thought it showed so much good spirit for Jewel to be willing to do this, which is kind of a risk. Like, you know, yeah. it could have been very yeah. embarrassing. Um, and you know, and I just, you know, there's that the thing I don't know if you heard about, like in two thousand and seven, they did this thing where the super famous concert violinist sat was on a subway platform in washington, d c. And it was like, are people going to stop and notice this amazing music? Are they going to pass right by? Right. And it's so you know, we're all so consumed with we don't even recognize this amazing art. And to me, I'm always like, well, people don't really know. They don't really know what good violin is from bad, mm-hmm. unless they're like sitting in a theater and everybody says like, Oh, this is an amazing performance. They don't really know. Jewel. They know. Right. Jewel. They <laughs> instantly. know. And they did. They instantly recognize that they were blown away. And then she comes out at the end as Jewel. And it's just, it's so sweet. I mean, it just, I love it. Um, so I will post the link to this on my site. Um, it's, uh, this is episode 35. So it's happiercast.com slash 35. Um, if you want to watch it yourself, it's really fun.
0: And by the way, Gretch, I uh, listened to an interview um, on Howard Stern with yeah. Jewel yeah. and hearing her talk. Uh, I think she's an upholder. So it's <gasps> really? fitting that this gold star is coming in this episode. Yeah, the way she described her childhood and how she dealt with adversity uh, and the sort of the inner resources she had. She sounded to me like a classic upholder. And that's it
1: for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Take the Four Tendencies quiz at happiercast.com quiz. And in case you need encouragement to try it, upholders, I would say, you know you want to do it. You're going to do it. Thanks for letting me count on you. Um, questioners, if you take this quiz, you're going to be able to understand yourself much better. You're going to be able to manage yourself better. You're going to be able to be more efficient with what kind of habits you try. And so it's really going to be worth your time. Obligers, It would really help us out if you would take the quiz, and we're gonna be looking to see if you've taken the quiz by checking our stats. And Rebels, hey, take the quiz, if it's fun for you, you know, if it's something you feel like doing, or not, totally your choice.
0: Thanks to our producer, Henry Malofsky, and thanks as well to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer from Panoply. Also, Gretchen, a special thanks to you, uh, the upholder in my life because I have to say doing this podcast is so easy for me because since you're an upholder I know that you're going to do everything <laughs> that needs to be done uh, and it makes you know my life easy I just have to show up so thank you for that
1: uh, get happy sisters <laughs>
0: please let us know what you think of the show Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin and I'm at Elizabeth Craft Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And here's a bonus on The Four
1: Tendencies, because we've had so much interest. We've been asking for people's comments and questions and insights. There's been so much interest in it, Um, and even since my book, Better Than Before, came out. I am writing a short kind of handbook to The Four Tendencies, and I have no idea where this is going to be done, but everything you're saying is very, very helpful. And if you want me to email you when this book is ready, if you're just dying for more than you can get from Better Than Before from the podcast, just text 66866 and enter the keyword tendencies. And if you answer the prompt to enter your email, then I'll send you an email when the handbook on the four tendencies is available.
0: Until next
1: week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. For all the upholders out there, I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward. Wow, that girl's really good. She shouldn't be
0: here.